0: Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. The flesh left heaven, came the flesh to save humanity. Yet when, when God in the flesh came to humanity, there was no room for humanity to receive the Savior. Now I want to just say this because I know we're, we're really accustomed to this. I want to see you look at the first point, and then I'm going to share some brief things about these scriptures And my hope is, how are we preparing for Jesus in our lives? Because making room for Jesus has a great deal to do with preparing for Jesus. Now, I'm not just saying preparing for his second coming. We all need to prepare for that. But we need to prepare, make intentional preparations for Jesus to inhabit all of our lives, not some of our lives. And listen, how many of you guys uh, love to, to, to cook? How many loves to cook? How many don't love to cook but enjoy the food? All right, all right, there you go. There's a lot more people. Raise your hand. I wish uh, those of you that could cook, food doesn't just happen. You just don't get the benefits of eating cooked food, right, Johnny, <laughs> without you preparing the ingredients to cook it. So first you have to prepare the ingredients. You have to get the meat. You have to get the rice. You have to get the adobo. Glory to God. If you're not Spanish, you're missing out. You got to get the Sasson, you got to get the, uh, yeah, the, the, the sofrito, right? You got to get the rice, you got to get the beans. you got to get the bread. Right. You got to prepare that. Then you got to put that in the oven. And then, listen, it takes time to prepare something, but you got to be intentional in, in order for anyone to eat. You just don't come home after, after a long day at work and like, poof, all the food is there. You've got to prepare for the food. And so what I am saying to you today is that there is a need to prepare, everybody say prepare, to make room for the Lord in order, watch this, to receive even greater fullness of favor and blessing from the Lord in every season, but especially in this season. To the degree that we prepare is the degree that we receive. To the degree that we prepare our hearts for more of God will be to the degree that we receive more from God. Now hear me, because I know some of you theologians are going to get on me for this. I'm not saying God loves you more, but you'll be in position to receive more. God does not love you more if you prepare more for him, but you will receive more when you prepare more. Because you're positioning your heart. Last week we talked about expanding our capacity. We've talked about the about that what happens when. Uh you have new books and you can't put books on the shelf. Why? Be- not because you don't like the new book. It's because your shelf is already filled to capacity and you can't have room for the new unless you do a couple of things. Unless you do. This is a review from last week. You have to either remove some old books in order to put new books in there. Come on, somebody, right? You either have to buy yourself a bigger shelf in order to put these new books that you have into the shelf or you could expand yourself, right? And so what I'm talking about expansion is to make room for Jesus not to be a side compartment anymore of your life. We have tolerated for too, much, too long of Jesus without us even knowing being a side thing in our life instead of being our all in all. He should be our all in all. Can I hear an amen? And so we must be intentional to make time to prepare for Jesus At the end, the end of our lives is our hearts. That's the end of our hearts in our lives. So intentional preparation and consecration to make room for the Lord will result in great favor, And blessings in your life how there's no worse feeling than you guys as parents getting your hard-earned money and wrapping that gift up and say oh boy they're gonna love this and your son or your daughter maybe they live in another place or a friend and you and you and you want to give it to them so bad because you know they're in need you take time you buy it you wrap it up and you go to their house and they never answer your phone call you go to their house and they're not there What a a bummer it is for you to prepare a gift and someone's not ready to receive it. In this Christmas season, I believe we need to remind ourselves what God has already prepared for us. And so I want to just share a couple of scriptures with you this morning. Because if we don't make room for the Lord and are not prepared, we may miss the timing of his visitation for our life. I'm going to say that again. We may miss the timing of his visitation in our life. Now watch this. When Jesus came to Jerusalem, I'm going to show it to you. There's other translations that said he wept loudly. I cry every time I read the scripture because our Savior wept because, watch this, he came to Jerusalem. Uh, I believe it's in the Amplified Version, which we're not going to go to today. It said he wept loudly. Imagine Jesus, our Savior, coming into the city of Apopka, and he's looking at it from a distance, and he's seeing all what's happening. Everybody doing their own thing. No one's searching out after him. No one's seeking him. And as he comes near, imagine, the city of Apopka, the Son of God breaks down into weeping uncontrollably. Why? Now, I'm going to read something to you from the NLT that made a lot of sense. Because if we're too busy and we're not preparing For the fullness of God in this next coming year. COVID has messed a lot of things up. We can miss the time of visitation. But I want you to see how the NLT reads because it's very powerful. Luke chapter chapter 19, verse 41 through 44. Luke chapter 19, verse 41 through 44. If you're there, say amen. It says, but as he came closer to Jerusalem, listen, and saw the city ahead, Jesus began to weep. To me, that's one of the most profound scriptures that Almighty God wept for a city because the city was not making room for him. Now look, watch this. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way of peace. It's on your screens. But now, Jesus said, it's too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Before, Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls. And encircle you and close you in from every side. This is Jesus talking. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave. He's talking about Israel here, okay? Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place. Look at this last sentence. Because, everybody say because. You did not recognize when God visited you. You didn't recognize, notice he didn't say when I visited you, he said you didn't recognize when God visited you. Is it possible that we become so busy in our life that we don't, we don't even recognize when God visits us? Do you know that Samson, the Bible says that he got so into his groove, so into his denial. And this Samson was a mighty man of God. Chris, you and I, we talked about this years, years ago, and it still stuck with me. A scariest scripture in my life. The Bible says Samson was thinking that he was doing all the right things. I'm going to, you know the story, guys. Here's Samson, and the Lord says, don't go with Delilah, because she she she's going to cause you to compromise oh come on god you know you, you just you anointed me kept 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 kind of going with delilah and then listen i don't know about you guys but if delilah would have done to me the first time i would said, that's enough but he kept going because he had he she had him wrapped up and she said the philistines are upon you and he kind of broke up broke out of, the, uh, out of the out of the the, the ropes i would have been like oh heck no and no more i'm not going to tell you any more secrets But you know what? He kept going. Why? Because he was bound to that. So here's what happens. The Bible says that he was, watch this, doing his own thing. Hear me now. And the Bible says one day he woke up after he told his secret, and here's the scariest, and did not know that the spirit of the Lord left him. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, and Samson, Samson, could you believe that? A man of God did not know that the Spirit of God had departed from him. So he tried to lose himself again, and this time he was bound. And because of that, his, the, he, they bore his eyes. In the same sense, if you are not intentionally preparing for the fullness of Jesus in your life, and you result to him as a side room, you will miss the day of your visitation. Here is Jesus coming to Jerusalem, and he's coming, hoping. This, this is the city that's been prophesied for years. They all know from the Old Testament. He's coming, and look, imagine this, imagine this. He's looking at a city. I, I weep when I, see, I say that. He's looking at it. He's not even there yet, and he pauses, and he cries, and he weeps. Jesus weeps over an entire city that's doing their own thing an entire people that just doing their own thing. They're doing their own businesses. They're doing their own thing in life, and they're all not making room for Jesus. And he begins to weep. And he ends it by saying, you didn't recognize when God visited you. Is it possible that you're not going to recognize when God visits you? Guys, preparation is a two-way street. Number one, God is in the spiritual kitchen cooking something for his body. But number two, it's up to us to stop what we're doing, get to the dinner table, the table of the Lord, and eat when it's ready. Listen, I don't know about you, but when Mama Bear, Mama Bear is my wife, right? When Mama Bear cooks in my house, come on, guys. You know what? Some of you guys are twitching right now because you know what I'm about to say. When we're all in our little thing and we're watching TV and, you know, we're playing video games and we're watching football and Mama Bear and, you know, Janice starts cooking and she's been there for a while. Come on, somebody. And you can smell that, you know, that good food. And all of a sudden, we're all in our our little little places. And when she says, food is ready, you better believe that every cell phone in that house is turned off. Every TV is turned off. But it didn't happen overnight. We're like, yeah, 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 that's funny. (laughs) No, no, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. And, and, And I said, I said, dinner is ready. You know what happens? We will miss dinner, and we will upset my wife if we're not there, you know what we do? We, we t- have everything off. And watch this. I said this before, but I'm going to say it again. We do something that is super revelatory and it's like super ancient in the, in the families today. Are you ready? This is a really powerful revelation. We eat at the table together. I know, I know. It's deep. I know it's deep. We actually, listen to what I'm saying. We actually put our phones away. And we actually go to the dinner table together, and we actually eat, and we engage in conversation. Wow. That is so foreign to so many families today. We're we're used to doing our own thing, our own thing. And we miss out on family dynamics because we're so busy cooking up our own food when the chef has already cooked something up for us but it took a while for us to realize because after several rebukes from my wife we had to be like you know what we do now it's a culture thing it's all about preparing it's all about focus say preparing and focus are synonymous Because if you prepare, you will be focused. We are embedded now. When we go to the restaurant, it's so sad. We'll see people right next to us, a family of four, and this is what they're doing. Family four. Family of four. Nobody's talking to each other. And I'm like, babe, look what's happening over there. And it's so sad. Guess what? The fear of the Lord has hit me, and I'm like, look, 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 look. My point is this. We are trained to no longer have distractions when we're together and if we're not careful the end of our lives the house of our hearts is the end of the Lord in a sense and we too could not have room for Jesus because of our lifestyle that doesn't mean you don't love Jesus it's just we become too busy or we're doing our thing and we miss the time of visitation I said we miss the time of visitation Look at this next slide. The Advent season, by definition, is a time of preparation leading to the recognition of the birth of Christ. It's up there on your screen. The Advent season, by definition, is a time of, everybody say preparation. Come on, say preparation. Leading to the recognition of the birth of Christ. How are you preparing for more of Jesus in your life in this season? What are you doing to prepare? Now, I want to say this something uh, uh, incredible here because not only is it a time of fasting and prayer to recognize the coming of the Lord, but historically, now this is where we're going to get good, right before, during the Advent season, right? And even before the birth of Christ, it was a dark time. Hear me what I'm about to say. We celebrate joyful, uh, joy, uh, joy, joy in, in, uh, in the things of the Lord at Christmas, joy to the world. The light has come, all that, right? So what happens is when we get to this place of this scripture, it's a time historically, and I did a study of this, 400 years had passed since the last words recorded in the Old Testament to the voice of the Gabriel angel announcing the birth of Christ. Think about this. About 400 years had passed since the last recorded words of the Old Testament, and then 400 years later, is, we see the New Testament being birthed by the voice of the, of the archangel Gabriel announcing the, the, the birth of Jesus. Isn't it interesting, just a little study for you? It was 400 years of darkness, 400 years of no additional scriptures in a sense in that time being added to the scriptures. It was just silence, right? And you would think after 400 years of no uh, additional revelation that the earth will be prepared for the Savior. Do you know that ironically enough, 400 years, children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt before God raised a deliverer? The Bible says in Exodus that they were in bondage for 400 years because there was a Pharaoh that did not know Joseph. So for 400 years they were in slavery, and then the Lord raised up um, Moses to be a deliverer. And it was a total of 430 years, the Bible says, after they exited out of um, Exodus. And so it was a time of darkness. I want to speak on this right now because right now in this Advent season, you may be in a time of darkness. You may be in a time where I know that many of you, uh, you get um, depressed in this time of season because it reminds you of a loved one that every year you have to remember that they died during this season. Or there's something tragic that happened in this season and it's hard to be happy during this season. But I want to I say something to you that's very powerful. Because just because you're in a dark season does not mean that you can't receive from the light. And here's one thing I'm going to share with you, because to me, this is, I found about two major principles from Luke 2 that we just read. Number one, you can put that uh, on, on the notes. Do you have room for Jesus to inhabit your whole life, or is he an accessory or a supplement in your life? That's number one, okay? Is he an accessory? And this is one thing that I, I, I thought about. Um, some may say, you know, Pastor George, I can't fully commit my life to Jesus because my heart is in a dark place. My heart is in a hard place. My heart is in a distant place. Well, I have good news for you. So was the manger. The manger was in a dark place, but yet Jesus was born in a dark place. Listen to what I'm saying. My heart may be too, you may say my heart is too hard for Jesus to come in during this season. I'm too sad. I'm too dark. I'm too lonely. Or watch this. I'm too filthy. I don't feel like I'm right with God. Well, you have good news for you. Nothing stopped Jesus from being born in any place. And he was born in a dark place. Do you know that Jesus could be born and you could be born again in your life during this dark season? If you allow Jesus to be Lord. Here's the thing. During this Christmas season, is Jesus really Lord over your life? Or is he a savior of your life? And I want to say this. That's the one thing. But here's the, the, the revelation that I got. Here's number two. Put that, put that on the screen, guys. Here's, here's the revelation I got. If you make room for Jesus, the world won't have any room for you. Listen to what I said. I'm going to say this really good. If you make room for Jesus, the world won't have any room in you. I'm going to say that one more time. If you make room for Jesus, the world won't have any room for you. Here's the revelation that I want you to see. In that scripture in Luke chapter 2, it does not say that there was no room for Jesus. Oh, I'm going to preach here good in just a second. It says in Luke chapter 2 verse 7, if you go back to that, it says there was no room in the inn for them them everybody say them that means there was no room in the inn for mary there was no room in the inn for joseph why are you ready to shout because they were with jesus now watch watch this watch this when you make room for jesus the world has nothing desirable in you listen if it was maybe one person, they would have had room. But because they were with Jesus, as part of the package. If you truly are making Jesus Lord, then the world should have no room in your heart to rule in the desires of your world. And, and I love what Jesus said. I've said it before, but the Amplified Version, Jesus said something so powerful when it comes to the devil. And, and to me, it's one of the most powerful scriptures when it comes to um. Not allowing anything of the world to contaminate or have a desire in you. And it's John chapter 14, verse 30. John chapter 14, verse 30. Come on, you guys are a little dead. You need to wake up for for a minute here. In the Amplified Version, look at what it says. Look what Jesus said. I will not talk with you much more. For the prince, evil genius, ruler of the world is coming. Now, I love this. And he has no claim on me Watch this. He has nothing in common with me. Oh, come on. That could preach. He has nothing in common. Sadly, Christians have a lot in common. A lot in common with the world. A lot in common with the enemy. He says, look, the tempter of the world is coming. He has no claim in me. He has nothing in common with me. Watch this. There is nothing in me that belongs to him. And he has no power over me. In other words, the reason why he has no power in me uh, over me is because there's nothing in me that desires him. There's nothing that has ever opened the door for that in my life, ever. So he has absolutely no power over me. To the degree that you open yourselves to the world will be to the degree that the world has power over you, dominion over you. So when you make room for all of Jesus, you will have no room for the world in you. I've said this before, and I'll say it again because there's a lot of new faces, especially in Thanksgiving. You guys were full. How many got really full on Thanksgiving, right? Now, I want to ask you something. I'm going to ask you Maybe you could do it, but it's not me. All right. Name me your favorite dessert. Somebody. Somebody. Flan. Oh, shake it la Flan. Flan. How about cheesecake? Cheesecake. How about cheesecake? I'm a cheesecake person. Strawberry New York cheesecake. Ooh, Jesus, help me, Lord. Right? How else? How many? What else? Uh Huh? Pumpkin pie. Oh, that's my favorite too. Everything's my favorite. I gotta slow down. So watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Hansel, what's your favorite, bro? <laughs> yeah, pu- flan. Flan. Okay. So flan. Anything that's sweet. Right. Here's my point. That's a weakness of mine. Like flan is like my my. my my mom could take flan and I'll be like, oh, flan, right? She makes the bomb flan. Here's the, pro- here's, the, here's the point I'm trying to make. No matter how good and desirable that is, if you are full, if you are full, they could, gi- watch, they could give you that same flan, that same cheesecake, and you'd be like, I don't, I, don't really, I don't really want that. It's easy to deny when you're full. When you're full, it's easy to deny your weakness, But if you're not full, you'll give in to that panetella and flan and natilla and all that good stuff, right? (laughs) Because you're not full. But when you're full, they can say, hey, here's a flan. And you're like, no, I don't want that. No, this is flan. I don't want that. I'm full. Blessed are those who are fi- a are, are, uh, hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That means you have no room for the world when you're filled. If you make room for the Lord to fill you, the world with all its desserts will not be ap- appetizing to you. You will be able to resist very quickly when you're full. Pastor, I have such a hard time resisting temptation because you're not full. Pastor have a hard time falling, have a hard time doing this because you're filled with the dessert, not with the real food. When you when you are filled with the real food, I don't care what dessert. You're like, it actually repulses you. So like, no, 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 I don't want, I don't want that. Everyone thinks you're actually disciplined. You're just not. You're just full. I want to encourage you today, make room for Jesus to fill you. Because when you have room for Jesus, the world will not have room for you. That's why when you have Jesus, you'll go to the end of the delicacies of the world. And they say, you don't even belong here. You, you'll be easy to resist temptation when you make room for the Lord. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now, I, I want to say this in, in closing because I, I, my message is short today, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> A powerful example, a powerful example of preparation. Probably, no, in all seriousness, one of the most powerful examples in scriptures of preparation and intentional preparation to make room for somebody and gain their favor is the story of Esther. Now, some of you ladies, you're going to love this. You're going you know, to say, i like to suffer for the Lord like this. <laughs> I want you to read uh, in Esther, in just a moment... About an example of how Esther, watch this, this is all about making room. Say making room and preparing. I want you to see the great length that Esther took to prepare for one night with the king. That's all, that's all it was, is one time with the king. But I want you to see the requirement and the intentionality that she went through so that she could eventually, watch this, receive favor from the king. I don't want you to think that it was all God. A lot of people in the church are like, well, it just happened to, I don't know, it's just all God. No. Yes, it's all God, but there's some things that Esther did that allowed God to release his greater focused favor on that. It was not just, hey, you know what, Esther? Just go ahead and do what you want. Just live how you want, and you're still going to get the favor of God of your life. No. You can't live however you want and then expect God to bless you. You can't have a full-time blessing with a part-time commitment. You can't Do that. We cannot have God's full time favor with a part time commitment to God. It will be crazy if someone pays you a full time salary and you work five hours a week. Why am I not getting more money? Put more hours in. So, so why am I saying this? Because in, 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 in Ruth, which I'm about to tell you, I'm going to tell you the preparation of Ruth went to just for one chance to meet with the king here's what happened in the in the in the bible I'll give you a, a story before we go to the scriptures here there's king xerxes was looking for a wife for all the nation why because uh, vashti his, his his current wife was not respecting him when he called for her he called for the for his wife to come and she didn't want anything to do it so she said okay i'm going to go on a nationwide search for a wife all right, and when, she, when this nationwide search began, it set up the stage for the greatest Miss Universe pageant of all of, of, all of history. Yeah. Literally, it was like a, the search for a wife. And there was not just one, there were several uh, uh, women, watch this, that were candidates, hear me now, but only one, everybody say one, was able to get the king's favor. But I want you to read, because we read the story of Esther so much, but we forget that Esther actually prepared for a whole year. But I want you to see how she prepared. Women, you're going to love this one. And men, I think, will love this one, too, if, you, if your wife did this. <laughs> Esther chapter 2, verse 12 uh, through 13. Then we're going to go through 15 to 18. And then we're going to, uh, we're going to pray. How many getting something this season? Remember, he came into the inn, and there was no room in the inn. Are you empty or are you full? Now watch. Each young woman's turn. Now look at look at verse uh, 12. Each young woman's turn came to go into the king uh a- says that's another name for King Xerxes, after she had completed 12 months. Are you ready? If I say 12 months. If I say 12 months. Listen, of what? Come on, say it loud. According to the regulations of the women, for thus were the days of their what? Preparation appointed. Here goes six months mix, mixed with oil of myrrh. Six months, I'm gonna say it again, dipped in the oil of myrrh for six months every day. Some of you, are like, I wanna suffer for Jesus like this. Watch this, ladies, watch this, ladies. And six months with perfumes and preparations for beautifying women. Thus prepared each young woman, each prepared, all right, went to the king, and she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the women's quarters to the king's palace. Now, look at verse 15. It's going to be up on your screen, all right through 18. Now, when the turn came for Esther... The daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as a daughter to go to the king. Remember, this is after a year-long preparation of six months of dipping herself every day in the oil of myrrh. Could you imagine, ladies, every single day, every single day in a tub, you are, you are drenched in, uh, in your skin with the oil of myrrh. Every single day until it penetrates your skin, until the until it, it, it oozes out of you in its smell because it's so deep in you. All right. And then another six months of perfumes and preparations, all this was preparing for one encounter with the king. And Esther obtained, watch this. Now, when the time came for Esther, the daughter of Abigail, the uncle, um, and Esther obtained favor in the side of all who saw her. Now look at verse 16 onward, all right? So Esther was taken to the king into his royal palace in the 10th month, which is the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. Look at verse 17. The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained, do you see this? Do you see this? I said, you won't get love more, but you will receive more. And she obtained grace and favor in the sight more than all the virgins. Yes, God's hand was on her, but she had to do her part. Look at me. Did not Esther also have to to prepare, just like all the other women? Okay. In the sight more than the virgins. And so he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. We're almost done. Look at verse 18. Then the king made a great feast, the feast of Esther, for all his officials and servants and proclaimed a holiday in the provinces and gave gifts according to the generosity of a king. Listen to me. I want you to put this slide up for all to hear, all right, and see. Just like in the story of Esther, Jesus is looking for a bride that has prepared herself and made room to meet him. Come on, I only got 10 amens in the room. Just like the story of Esther, Jesus is looking for a bride. We are his bride that has prepared herself and made room to meet him. This is what Jesus is after. Now, the, I want to I give you three purposes. You were, you were stealing my message this morning. He, he came, we came in uh, with a couple of guys, and he goes, sorry, Pastor George, here's the oil of myrrh, and here's frankincense, right? And he, I go, actually talking about myrrh today, the oil of myrrh, which I never do. So there's, there is symbolism of the oil of myrrh, right? If, watch this. Esther was dipped in the oil of myrrh for six months. Let's break down what the oil of myrrh is symbolic for and is used for in the natural, watch this, that's used to prepare us to be pleasing before God. I'm going to say that again. Prepare us to be pleasing before God. Let me tell you just an unspiritual thing right here. The perfumes were very pleasing to the king. The fragrance from the myrrh did not disgust him. It was pleasing to him. Now, in the same sense, the, the, the spiritual myrrh in our lives has to do with what we prepare with and for that's going to get us great results, okay? So here are a few uh, representations of the oil of myrrh in regards to our own preparation to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord and to make room for him. Number one, look at this. Look, at this on the screen. The oil of myrrh is symbolic in our lives for consecration and separation from the world. Now, we talked a little bit about that, but I want to highlight uh, consecration and separation. Now, I want you to zoom in on me because the oil of myrrh was one of the main ingredients used for the anointing oil in the Old Testament. So whenever you see the anointing oil, everybody say anointing oil. Remember, the book of Isaiah says, and the anointing shall destroy the yoke of bondage. So the, the, the anointing oil, it would loose that yoke. You know what a yoke was? A yoke was something that they would put on two oxen and they would have to go almost at the same uh, time, same level. That's why the Bible says do not be unequally yoked. If you have a, if you have a mule and you have a, a cat, you're unequally yoked, right? Someone's going to slow you down. That's for another message for another time. But... The way that you would loosen the yoke is you put oil on it, and it would cause the yoke to slip from their neck, right? Now, the anointing oil was also used, listen, to consecrate kings and priests when they laid hands on them. When, when uh, the, the prophet Samuel anointed David king, the Bible says he had the, ho- the horn of oil, and he poured it on him. What was that uh, symbolic for? Is I am consecrating you for this purpose. Now, we have limited consecration to not having sex before marriage. That's great. Continue to do that. But consecration is more than abstaining from sex before marriage. Consecration has to do with your whole lifestyle being yielded to the purposes of God. Consecrated for the Lord, right? So the oil of myrrh, when it comes to preparation, has to do with how are you preparing yourself. Are you ready? This is going to be good. By abstaining, by being consecrated from the world and being consecrated in the purposes that God has for you. How are you preparing for the fullness of God in your life by consecrating yourself from worldly activity, by being separated for the purposes of God for your life. Do you know that you could do somebody else's purposes and that's still not consecrating for the Lord's purposes? You could be consecrated for somebody else's purpose that looks good on them, but it's not good on you. And so the, the number one uh, symbolism of the oil of myrrh when it comes to preparation was consecration and separation. One of the ways that we prepare for more of the Lord, I know this is good old-fashioned preaching, but is the book of James said he who desires to love the world makes himself an enemy with God. Now, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't make yourself an enemy of God because you desire the world so much. The world will not have anything to offer you. Okay? Number two. All right? Number two. The oil of myrrh. And I'm almost done here. The oil of myrrh, look at this. Says, is symbolic in our lives for living, oh, this is so good, a crucified life. And daily dying to our flesh. You say, where did you get that from? Easy. Because the Bible says, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, that Jesus was, when he had the oil poured on him, which had myrrh on it, and Bethany, when they cracked that alabaster box and poured that oil on his head, what did he say? He said, don't, leave her alone. She's done this for my burial. So in other words, the anointing oil, watch this, the anointing oil is for uh, embalming and treating to prepare a body for burial. So the anointing is symbolic of keeping your flesh dead. Keeping it dead. Hello? Hello? They would keep the body dead by embalming it so, so that it could stay that way. Now you have to understand, uh, Paul the Apostle sa- says this in Galatians. He says, I have been What? Crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lived in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith for the Son of God who loved me and died for me. Do you know that the Bible says that Paul says that he gets crucified daily? Do you want to live a life of preparation to the Lord? I know this sounds really hard, but we need to crucify our flesh daily. As a matter of fact, one of the main ingredients of a disciple. Pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Nowadays, the definition of a disciple is anybody who goes to church. Nowadays, the definition of a disciple is anybody who attends Sunday morning church. I'm a disciple. Are you really a disciple just because you go to church? Are you really a follower of Jesus just because you go on Easter and sometimes on on, on Advent and sometimes uh, on the middle of the week? Are you a, a disciple? But a disciple is the one that mimics the master. That's what a disciple is, the one who mimics the master. So a disciple in, in, in kung fu and in karate is if the sensei kicks at 90 degrees, the, in order for you to be a disciple of the sensei, you have to kick at 90 degrees, not 89. No, I'm serious. You have to kick at that, same, and then when you pass that, you're like, okay, you've mastered that. You're a disciple in this technique. Now, why do I say this? Because the oil of myrrh. If we're going to prepare for more of Jesus, you have to ask yourself, am I living a life that's crucified to my flesh? I could go on forever in that. We, we talked about the world, but your flesh is the, your biggest enemy. I want to say this really loud and clear. We can defeat the enemy and the, the devil by the name of Jesus, and we could defeat the enemy by casting him out and many times and saying no to him. But your flesh needs to be crucified. Because it's your flesh that wants those things, that wants revenge, that wants uh, uh, anger, that wants jealousy. It's your flesh that desires those things. And the Bible says if if he didn't crucify his flesh, he would become a castaway, disqualified. You know what Paul said? He goes, I buffet my flesh daily. He's like, I put it. No, no. No, it's trying to rock down there. That's what he does. He he buffets his flesh. Why? He goes, because I can't afford to allow my flesh to run rampant because I know what it will do. Your flesh is a dangerous thing. If you're not crucified, if you're not living a a crucified lifestyle, you can love the Lord and you could be fleshly. It's called carnality. There's unfortunately a lot of carnal Christians. You know the Bible says? To be carnally minded is death. Death. So to prepare, oil of myrrh is consecration. Oil of myrrh, Esther, she did that. Oil of myrrh is uh, living a crucified life. And then, of course, the third one, which is one of my favorites. The third one is this. Put the third one up. If you could have the worship team come up here, Joanne and, and Zach and the worship team. The oil of myrrh is symbolic in our lives for cultivating the oil of intimacy and devotion to the Lord. I'm going to say that again. The oil of myrrh is symbolic in our lives for cultivating the oil of intimacy and devotion to the Lord. Remember the ten virgins, right? The ten virgins in the Bible. The Bible says that some had oil and some of them didn't. They had to trim their lamps, right? Oil is symbolic of digging for the presence of the Lord through intimacy and in your worship. And by the way, we talked about a couple weeks ago about the perfume and the fragrance of the alabaster box is what? A sign of what? Let's see if you remember. Worship. Everybody say worship. Now, this is not in the notes that I gave you guys back there. So Victor and... um, I, just, I feel led to share this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. This is how I'm going to end. This, I didn't send this scripture to you, but 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 in the, in the New King James Version. All right? Because Esther took time to prepare herself for the king, she received the king's favor. I'm going to say that again. Because Esther took time to make room and prepare for the Lord, she got the favor of the Lord. Now you say... Pastor George, what are you talk? about? How, how do I do this? Well, by one is your hunger level. What is it saying to you? Your hunger level, spiritually speaking, tells you and dictates a lot of what you do. For instance, some of you, because you're putting God first, your, your hunger level for the Lord is greater than your hunger for the world. So you got dressed and you came to the house of the Lord. Some... The hunger is just not there, so their hunger level doesn't drive them to come to the house of the Lord. It doesn't drive them to do some other things, right? How about this? Your desperation is a part of your hunger. If you've been broken and you've been hurt, your desperation is also part of that. You know, God is so amazing that He'll allow even our desperate moments to draw us to the to the Lord, right? Now look at for, look at Corinthians, and I'm I'm done with this. Second Corinthians chapter chapter 2 verse 14. Put that up there. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. Now watch this. Remember about the fragrance. Everybody say fragrance. Remember perfume. Remember oil. Look what it says. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us. Everybody say through us. Diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge. Watch this. In every place in every place you're the perfume of God you're the fragrance of God you when you are making room for God you are the name brand of God and instead of saying there's such and such I um, I don't even know the perfumes out there anymore you start saying your own name because you've made room and watch this now watch this put that verse 14 again up there and look at verse 15 Sorry, verse 15. Put verse 15 up there. It says, well, I'll just read it. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we, look at verse 15, are to God. Come on, somebody, say amen. We are to God the fragrance of Christ. Look, I'm not just making it up. We are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. That means to the saved with the perfume and to the unsaved with the perfume God wants us to get oil in our lamps and that is how you prepare by having concentrated times of devotion concentrated times of worship God wants to bring you back guys into listen this is a word that's so simple a relationship again with Jesus not attendance not duties But relationship the rebuke in in revelations to the churches was not because the church was not doing things as a matter of fact it was the book of Ephesians I mean was the city of Ephesians the Ephesus church was known as a metropolis known for big revivals but they lost their first love yet they were doing outreaches they were doing discipleship they were doing social justice programs in the church They were feeding the poor, but they lost that first love. I'm going to close with this, guys. How are you making room for Jesus in this Advent season? How are you preparing for more of God? Hear hear me now, because I'm going to close with this. Is he a compartment in your life? Is he a room, a side room in your life? You don't have to answer right now. Is he a side room, or is he filling every room? In your heart is he filling every room in your heart because until you get to the point where he fills every room you will be incomplete and watch this I'm gonna prophesy to you you're gonna search for other things until you find that completion you're gonna be searching for worldly things you're gonna be searching for for uh, a whole bunch of things that will end up hurting you if you're not making room for Jesus to be everything everything. I know this sounds really simple because it is. I'm not trying to get real deep this morning. I'm trying to say that you are the inn. You are the inn. You are the hotel and Jesus is coming and he's asking is a room enough for me. This year do you just uh, mention Jesus uh, when your family when you come to church or on Wednesday or on Tuesday do you actually have a culture of Jesus in your house? Do you have a culture of Jesus when you're screaming? Do you have a culture of Jesus in your relationships? Are you keeping yourself pure? Are you keeping yourself holy? Are you keeping yourself consecrated? God desires for us to make room for Jesus. Stand up if you can. We're going to worship the Lord. Today is simple as an Advent season message, but I'm asking you to prepare like Esther prepared. I'm going to ask you to prepare like Esther prepared in her journey. She prepared with myrrh of oil. So I want us to close our eyes right now and ask yourself, am I preparing for Jesus in 2021? Here's what I hear the Lord saying before we pray. Are you preparing for what he's spoken to you? Some of you, I could tell you, I could pull you out of the crowd. But God has spoken to you to do something that you're about to enter into into 2021. Are you preparing for that? Like are you preparing for that calling? Are you are you preparing for that assignment? Because God wants to heal you. God wants to make himself president in you. He wants to make himself strong. So lift up your hands right now and close your eyes. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to dismiss you in a couple minutes, but ask yourself, is Jesus on a side room of my life? Or does he inhabit my whole house? Is he just in the garage of my heart? Is he in the guest room of my heart? Is he in the the kitchen of my heart? In in other words, I only come to him when I want something from him. Or are we making room for the Savior? Come on, prepare your hearts right now. Ask yourself, where is there that I can make adjustments? Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.